Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online podcast. I'm Pastor John. And this week, we continue our sermon series entitled Revealed God at Work, where we are looking at the signs that Jesus performs in the Gospel of John. And this week, we're looking at the second sign from John chapter 4. So I invite you to hear the Word of God, but before we dive into the scriptures, we do have some announcements. So enjoy these announcements, and I hope that the sermon reflection today deepens your faith and helps you to see Jesus at work in your life more clearly. Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of virtual and social distanced worship, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can send in your offering through the mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Our nominating committee will be meeting soon to nominate our next class of deacons and elders. If you are interested in serving Stonebridge in this capacity, please visit our website to learn more about what it means to be a deacon or elder and fill out an application. Applications are due April 19th. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Please continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Our scripture this week comes from John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had changed the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my little boy dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. As he was going down, his slaves met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them the hour when he began to recover, and they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he himself believed, along with his whole household. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. I invite you to join with me in prayer as we turn to the scriptures. Lord, open us up to your word now. Through your scriptures, through your Bible, Lord, speak to us clearly. Through this sign that we see in the Gospel of John, help us to understand your work so we can see it in our own lives. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, so that we can see you more clearly and follow you better. We thank you, we praise you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Healing is God's work in the world. Healing is a core part of what God is trying to do. Healing this creation so that it reflects God's original intention. That really was the mission of Jesus. That's why Jesus was brought into this world, so that God could restore all that was broken and lost through Jesus' resurrection. 
So it shouldn't be too surprising to us that one of Jesus' signs focuses on healing. In fact, a number of Jesus' signs in the Gospel of John focus on healing. This second sign that also takes place in Cana, similar to the wedding that Jesus performed his first sign at that we talked about last week, this second sign is the first instance of healing that we see in the Gospel of John. In this story, a royal official walks up to Jesus and desperately says to Jesus, heal my son. He's about to die. Jesus doesn't really seem to want to. It's actually fairly similar to the wedding at Cana where Jesus was hesitant to intervene with the situation with the wine running out in John chapter 2. But here in John chapter 4, Jesus, again, he doesn't seem to jump at the chance to perform this healing. But this royal official, he is insistent. Just like Jesus' mother was at the wedding at Cana, this royal official, he's persistent. And Jesus relents. Jesus says to him, your son will live. Or in the Greek, it's actually more, your son lives. And then we're told that the royal official, he, he believes. And later on, he learns that it was exactly at that hour that Jesus said, your son lives. That the fever left his boy. It's a story of healing. It's a story of Jesus speaking life into death. This child was supposed to die. He was about to die. But Jesus, just through his words over distance, he heals him. These stories of Jesus healing people in the Bible, they're they're fairly common, but they raise a number of questions to me. I think for most Christians, they raise a number of questions. First, The main question that comes to mind is, did these stories actually happen? Or are these myths and legends and things that Jesus' followers just made up? Now, my answer to that is emphatically, yes. I think that these stories did actually happen. These are not just myths. They are not just legends. They are not just made up stories. I think that these are rooted in actual events that were passed down to us so that we could understand that this is what Jesus truly did. And it's always been odd to me when Christians don't feel comfortable saying that Jesus accomplished these miracles. I mean, if you've already accepted that Jesus is who he says he was, that Jesus went to the cross and died and was resurrected, and that somehow God overcame death through that, if you've you've accepted all of that, and, and you believe Jesus' testimony about all of that, why would you not believe that these miracles also took place, that these healings also took place? I mean, the resurrection, all of that is so much more far out there than these healings. So I, I've never really understood why Christians question whether or not these healings happened. I, I think they did. I think the Bible's very clearly just trying to tell us that these are actual things that Jesus accomplished. A more interesting question to me is... Does God still work in this way today in our world? Is healing people through these interventions of the Holy Spirit, is that still a way that God works? That's a more interesting question to me because I think you will have all sorts of different answers from different Christians. Christians will answer that question any which way. And I'm sure that here at Stonebridge, we have all sorts of different answers to what people believe about healings of this sort. As Christians, I believe we have to make room for differences of opinion about things like healings. 
We're going to have different experiences. We're going to have different interpretations of scripture. We have to make room that some people are going to disagree with what we believe about this. And that is okay. Disagreement is not bad in and of itself. For myself, I actually have grown up and majority of my life was raised being pretty skeptical of claims of healing. I have never seen a healing myself. I've never witnessed it. I've never experienced it. So I've tended to be more skeptical. Not that this was a thought through position or something that I spent a lot of time considering. It was more just a reflexive, reactive response to claims I heard other people making that I didn't believe. In the last few years, though, I have had my own views challenged by a couple of things. I I still have never witnessed a healing myself, but at this point, I would say that I think God does work in this way at certain times. And the reason my mind has changed on that and why I've had a more fully formed position that does now believe that, that God does heal people, it's, as I said, a couple of reasons. First, I just started looking at the overwhelming amount of eyewitness testimony to healings that we see in the world. We have thousands and thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of claims of miraculous healings that are made every single year. And you get to a certain point when you look at how many of these claims there are that it's just hard for me to say that every single one of those people are deluded or lying or mistaken. It seems like a simpler explanation to say, Something must be going on here. Something must be happening. So that started to crack my, my skepticism. But where my mind was really changed was through the eyewitness testimony of one person. It was a friend of mine, somebody that I trust. This friend of mine is a medical professional. He knows more about medicine than I will ever know. He's forgotten more about medicine in the last five minutes than I will ever know. And surprisingly enough, many of those thousands of claims of healings, they come from medical professionals. They come from people that we would all assume are are reasonable people, but they saw something that doesn't fit their medical training, that they can't explain using the categories that their medical training gave them. And my friend is one of those. I was expressing my own skepticism about healings And very quietly and very humbly, he came up to me and he just said, I've seen it. I've seen it myself. Now, this person is a surgeon. He's a very well-trained surgeon. He has been to great medical schools. Um, He knows his stuff when it comes to surgery. And instead of pursuing a lucrative career, making a bunch of money doing plastic surgery or something like that, he decided to become a medical missionary and to take all of this training that he has. And now he goes around to different countries. He works with the governments of those countries that don't have solid health infrastructures. And he does surgeries for people. He helps to reconstruct facial surgeries. He removes tumors. He does things of that sort for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to get that health care. He's a very committed Christian and a very good doctor and surgeon. And he told me that once he was working with this family who had a child, a young boy, who had a massive tumor. And there needed to be some sort of intervention with this tumor. If left to its own devices, this tumor was going to ruin this boy's life. 
My friend was working with his family for, for weeks, doing intake procedures, getting the family ready for what the surgery would look like, figuring out what the surgery would be, mapping out a plan of care, all of that stuff. And a few days before the surgery was going to happen, my friend and some team of missionaries, they were there at the house and they decided to pray for this boy. They prayed that God would make this surgery unnecessary, that God would just heal this boy so that they didn't have to go through the surgery. They prayed. And a few days later, my friend, he went back to the house. And as he's walking up to the doorway, he saw a boy playing off to the side that he assumed must be a sibling because he didn't recognize the kid. And he went up to the doorway and the mother of the boy was there and she was so ecstatic. She was so happy. And she just said, it worked, it worked, it worked. And he said, what worked? She said, the prayers, it worked. And she pointed to the child that my friend had assumed was a sibling. And it was the boy that he was supposed to operate on. But the tumor had disappeared. It had shrunk. Now, this is a friend of mine who is not going to just mistake these two children he, he looked closely at it. He realized the tumor was actually gone. This was the same child, and he was 100% convinced that this had taken place. It also wouldn't make sense that the family was lying to him because the tumor had been there, and if the tumor was still there, they would have wanted their boy to have the surgery done. So he came to me and he told me that story. And when he told me that story and I listened to it, I wanted to be skeptical, but he was too authentic. He's too honest. He's a very understated person who isn't prone to exaggeration. He has a very straight-faced demeanor about him, not a lot of affect on his face. So I couldn't help but just say, it probably happened. So I think at this point that God does work in this way, that, that miracles do occur, that healings do happen. But as I say that, a number of cautions pop up for me. There are so many reasons that we as Christians, when we acknowledge that these healings do happen, that we have to be careful. First, we have to be careful because people have used these types of healings to harm others. I mean, televangelists, there's, there's a long history of televangelists just outright lying about these healings in order to raise money, to become famous, to become wealthy, to feed their own narcissism. People have abused God's work and used that work to abuse others, to, to enrich themselves and make themselves feel great. We have to be very skeptical. So even though I say that I believe that these types of healings do happen, it doesn't mean that my skepticism has been thrown out the window. We still need to be skeptical of individual claims and approach those with scrutiny. Because also, think about how many cults have arisen around people claiming to be healers and, and how many people have been abused in horrible and tragic ways. How many people's lives have been lost because somebody claimed that they were healing, somebody believed them and they abused that person. So we need to be skeptical. We need to have scrutiny. I also think that we as Christians need to be cautious because it is so easy for us to mistake the healing for the main thing. We start thinking that the healing is the point, and that becomes the only thing that we talk about. My friend who witnessed that healing of that tumor, who saw that boy um, be healed, he was actually approached by a famous televangelist and invited to come on this televangelist's show to highlight this story of a healing. 
they wanted my friend because he is so credible. And in the world of medical missionaries, he's fairly well known, actually. So they wanted him to come on and tell his story. And he said that he would come on and tell the story, but only if he could tell the complete story. And what he meant by that was there was another child whose story he had to tell. In that same week that he was working with that boy and his family, that was not the only child my friend was planning on performing a surgery on. There was also a girl and her family, and she had very serious medical ailments. And he was working on doing a surgery with her. And when they prayed for that boy, around the same time, they also prayed for that girl. And the same people who were there praying for that boy, they went to that house and they prayed for that girl also. The boy was healed, but the girl wasn't. And the boy, his life continued, but the surgeries didn't actually work for that girl either. And her family had to say goodbye to her, and she lost her life. My friend said, I will only tell the one story if I also get to tell the other, because both of those are children of God who deserve to have their stories told. Unsurprisingly, yet sadly, the televangelist didn't take my friend up on this offer. He he never heard back from them. He never went on the show. It is easy for us to start thinking that the miracle is the point, that the healing is the point. But when you look at Jesus' second sign in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 4, the point of this story is not actually the healing. I mean, the actual healing is something that we don't even get narrated to us. Jesus speaks, and then we hear about it happening, but we don't see the boy getting healed. We're just told about it after the fact. That's not actually the point. This story, it pushes us and it centers us on the faith of this royal official. This royal official, he believes. He believes that Jesus is going to do what Jesus said. That when Jesus said, your your son lives or your son will live, he believes that. And then we're told that Jesus did actually do what Jesus said he was going to do. And what's the response? The official and his whole household believe in Jesus. The point of this healing is not the healing itself. It's the belief. It's the faith in Jesus that is born of this. Whenever there's a healing, the point is never the healing itself. Because we have to acknowledge that that boy who my friend talked about, the one with the tumor who had it healed of him, Yes, his family got more time with him, and thank God for that. But like all human beings, that boy, he will grow up, and his life will end. The healing only gave him temporary time. We have to acknowledge that that healing, it's not the point in and of itself. It gives us a picture of what God's kingdom looks like. It gives us a glimpse of what God's work looks like to deepen our hope, to expand our imagination, and to help us have a glimpse of what it is we are longing for, for God, when it comes to God restoring this world. And the same way with that girl, that young girl whose family tragically had to say goodbye to her, we have to remember That that death is not her ultimate end. That there is resurrection. That that life does win. And that Jesus will speak life into death permanently when he returns. The official walks away with a deeper faith in Jesus. That's the point of the healing. 
That's the goal. That's what God is trying to accomplish, is that deeper faith so that more people can have hope, more people can have faith. When we embrace that, I think it becomes a little easier for us to say that healings do take place, that God does work in this way. But it also helps us understand that God also works through non-miraculous healings, that any type of healing can be a glimpse of what God's kingdom is going to look like. I mean, my friend, the, the surgeon, he saw this miraculous healing. He saw this healing take place. He, he witnessed this, but he didn't stop becoming a surgeon. He continues to perform surgeries. He continues to go to different countries, work with different governments, and provide that type of health care for people. Because any example of healing is a glimpse of God's kingdom. When we embrace that, our faith is deepened. And we're understanding what it is that God is doing with these types of healings. And it deepens our hope. So yes, I do think that healings happen. I have not witnessed one myself, but there's a lot of things that I've never seen that I still believe in. And healings is one of those. And yes, I am very skeptical still of individual claims. There is a high bar for me in terms of believing somebody's claim to a healing. But I'm not going to say that God doesn't work in that way. Just because I think a lot of people aren't telling the truth doesn't mean that God doesn't work in that way. But I also believe that God working to heal through doctors, through medicine, through all of those other layers of protection, all of that can deepen our faith in Jesus as well. And it should deepen our faith in Jesus as well. Because healing is healing and it's ultimately all God's work. And every example of healing, it should deepen our faith in God's ability to restore this world and give us a glimpse of what a restored world will look like. So, may we, like that official, take Jesus at his word. May we believe that Jesus is healing this world, that Jesus' word is good. May we trust in Jesus' promises. And may our hope and faith be deepened as we look to the examples of healing that we see in our world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Tell the world of the treasure you found. 